on today's episode of Locked On Suns, part one of our 13 questions that will define the Phoenix Suns season preview series, starting with Devin Booker. What is the path for Book to be a top five player in the NBA this season? Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past seven seasons. We're treating this as the official start, so it is number seven for me. I'm a writer at Suns.com and the host of the Just Basketball Show as well, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for making Locked On Suns your first listen. Please hit follow and subscribe. Make it your first listen if you don't already. We're free and available everywhere, including YouTube. Just hit that button and get us in your feed Every Monday through Friday, we're also back to daily in conjunction with the start of the season preview series. So become an everydayer all the way through the month of September into the start of training camp and the regular season shortly thereafter. Should be a fun ride. Let's get it started. Brandon Duenas is joining us as he does every Monday. You can read his stuff at Bright Side of the Sun. They will be uh, covering all of the lead up as well. And we're bringing the series back. Uh, I don't know if you did any of these with me, Brandon, the first time. I didn't do it last year because there was too much Durant and Sarver stuff, but I did it the year after they made the finals. And uh, it's a nice way to dive in and, and get a little bit of a feel for a whole bunch of different elements of the team. We also have the little ode to Steve Nash thrown in there with the number 13. So, uh, you know, good all around. But uh, before we get into any of that, happy belated birthday. And I want to shout out the people who came Appreciate up to you. Uh, in the in the public world and uh, do you do you have their names did you get their names can we shout them out here um i i got one of their names i can't okay. remember the other one though um aaron shout out to you and wh- okay. whoever the other one is sorry i forgot your name but uh yeah it was, it was, it was pretty cool to meet s- some listeners in like real life so um i've had some like twitter mutuals at suns games and stuff before but this is the first like locked on shout out I've, I've received so i thought that was pretty cool so shout out to you guys thanks for listening and, uh, yeah, it is, uh, it is cool. Um, I, I met a dude named Kenny at the grocery store right after the Durant trade. And I don't know if I ever shouted him out. I assume he lives near me cause he's at the same grocery store as me. So, uh, shout out Kenny as well. But yeah, if you ever see us say hello, I'm surprised I don't get more people at games. Um, honestly, cause that would be the place that it would happen. But Regardless, let's dive into Devin Booker. Number one question of our 13-question series, what is the path for Devin Booker to be top five in the NBA this upcoming season? We'll start with offense. And what I will uh, throw your way, Brandon, let's start with uh, even within the offense, the shot selection. And it's not to criticize what the shot selection is. That's going to sound bad, but it is just to break down what it's going to look like, what it has looked like. I think the high jumper frequency for Booker, it's just par for the courts at this point. That's what he's going to do. But he's one of the few guys in the NBA who can justify it because he's so good at knocking down difficult shots, mid-range shots, contested threes, pull-up threes, all of those types of things that you know a lot of coaches would tell lesser players to not take. But to me, the key development we saw from him last year in the regular season and it carried on into the playoffs was – Just a slight, it wasn't huge, but it was noticeable in the stats, his rim frequency and his foul drawing. 
and it doesn't have to be much, but I think even just maintaining what he did last year, maybe even a little bit higher yet still, would just give his game a little more balance, make him a little bit less predictable and harder to guard, and obviously it goes a long way when it comes to efficiency when you're getting easier shots and not having to take those really tough ones quite as often. So when I thought about his offense, that's kind of where I started. Uh, what do you think about that, and, and kind of where are your, where would you be looking for Book offensively if he's going to have a season that puts him in that top five status? Yeah, so I think rim frequency and, and finishing, are, that's a good place to start, a good foundation. And I don't think the leap needs to be, like you said, too dramatic, just getting incrementally better um, in that area. Just, um, But I think the thing that jumps out to me is a three-point percent, like we saw uh, when he f- was on first-team All-NBA a couple seasons ago, that his three-point percentage was at 38.3, uh, which is a, <clears throat> a career high for him, so... I think getting closer to 40% from, from distance, that's kind of where not only is he going to get better looks playing with, with Beal and Durant, hopefully, um, but I think uh, it's a realistic goal for him to try to get that, that 50, 40, 90 club. Like that, that's one of those selling points. I think offensively, if, if he can uh, really just have a historically um, efficient offensive season, then it's, it's going to come down to efficiency for him. So I think that's, mm-hmm. that's one area I look at um, and just getting a little bit better everywhere else. Like he seems to do every season. So it's not like it's, yeah, uh, so we already kind of picked at this a little bit, but it's like he doesn't need to take a huge leap anywhere because he's, he just does this every year where he gets a little bit better at everything. And, and that's that's pretty much what it's going to come down to. And that's honestly, I mean, not to we're not going to talk too much about like, oh, what are the other four guys? And like, it, you know, top five is is relative and a lot of it's based on health and different things. So it's not narratives you know, and all that. Exactly. It's not I like guess, it's some yeah. sort of, you know, uh, trophy they give out. You're a top five player, but. Um, yeah, I think that's more than a lot of players in this stratosphere can say that he gets better like that. You know, that's not true of every player, even even young guys, you know, and there's like I, I think of a lot of guys in the top 10 ish area where I'm like, I don't really know if what I would say they've added to their game in the past few seasons. So I think, you know, narrative and just whatever it is, like, I, I think that goes a long way for him. But let's talk about uh, kind of play context, too. So. Uh, specifically like transition is is what I mean by that. And last year in the playoffs, the Suns increased their transition frequency by about 2% from the regular season, which, you know, that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're talking about possession by possession by possession over the whole, whole course of games and series and all that, that is a lot. And that was a big part of how Book was able to be efficient, both as a scorer and what I'll get to next, which is as a passer, um, getting assists. And so to me, like that's one of the main things I'm looking for from Vogel. And he spoke to it in an interview last week that we talked about a little bit on the show is he doesn't want to have to set an offense and run super sophisticated half court sets very often. If in his ideal world, like they could create a turnover on every defensive possession and get a, get a run out, you know, that's not going to happen, but that's what he wants. So to me, book has always been one of the best transition scorers in the NBA. And I would expect if they can increase yet another level on that transition stuff, like that'll add handful of points and a lot more efficiency to his game too. So that was one thing that I figure might, we might see this year that maybe we haven't seen before because the Suns were not a very aggressive transition team last regular season, even with Booker getting to the rim more, getting to the foul, foul line more, you add that in and it's like, wow, you're getting another bump there. 
Yeah. And I think that's the main reason why Chris Paul leaving is going to open up so many different possibilities for what their offense could be. Uh, Not only in transition, just even in the half court, just like organized chaos is kind of what I feel like when they're at their best, when they're making the defense move and scramble and they're, they're not too organized and everything's like not as methodical and calculated like Chris Paul. Um, Don't get me wrong in the playoffs. It's helpful to have that type of, um, you know, those half court sets where you can, kind of dissect the defense and pick them out in the regular season. Um, I think sometimes it's, it's better to just let the, let the, the young guys run and they got a younger roster this year. I think they're going to try to get out and transition more, get easy buckets. And I think that's definitely another area where Booker can, can feast in, in transition. We've seen some of the finishes he can make and, and how quick he runs the, the floor. I think he's one of the most underrated, just explosive um, end-to-end athletes in the league. Like it's, it's kind of like deceptive um, until you see it up close. And then he's, he's already, he'll run by like three defenders and just do a little reverse layup and transition. So I think seeing more of that, that's definitely another area that, that he can tap into. Last thing. And I guess I didn't say this at the beginning. And again, you know, we talked about the top five thing can be a little arbitrary. Everybody's going to have their opinion, but basically in the ABA, you have to have one of these to win the championship. Like that tends to be the case. And, you know, I think you would have said Booker was at that point in the postseason last year. It wouldn't have surprised anybody if he had led the team to a championship and they just lost to Denver and that was that. So, you know, he's not going to do what he did in the second round or uh, in the playoffs, I mean, in those two rounds again. But it's just about, you know, 82 games and then adjusting coming playoff time. And I think, obviously, the point we have to hit on the offensive end as part of that is the passing. And I think he will be, you know, have the ball in his hands more. I think we've talked about that plenty. Um, But I dug into the numbers a little bit more. And first of all, I want to say last week, I think it was you and I did the one improvement each key player can make episode. And I talked about his lob passing and hitting the roll man and stuff. And people pushed back on me in the comments and I did dig into it a little bit. I guess I was wrong. He actually, uh, Aiton was the guy he assisted the most in the regular season, but um, it did drop off in the playoffs as books assists went up, the number of them that went to Aiton kind of went down. And to me, that felt like it was more going to shooters and in transition. And the numbers kind of backed that up. Um, but the basketball index does a lot of good stuff where they try to break down and create other ratings rather than just like assists, potential assists, whatever. And they have this thing called passing efficiency. And that's where he graded out the worst. And what that stat basically does is it has it, it has high value assists, and then bad pass turnovers. And it compares those relative to how ball dominant a player is in their role. So Book was in the 47th percentile, so the bottom half of the league. And I think where a lot of that comes from, and my kind of main point as a passer, is I think what would take him from very good as a passer to like maybe great as a passer and playmaker is to be a little less predictable with where he's going with the ball, get a few more of those high-value assists rather than just making the obvious right play, which a lot of players can't do, but that's, again, good to great, and then turning the ball over less, and especially those passes we know Book makes from time to time where they just soar into the third row or you know he kind of has tunnel vision and a guy's not where he thought he was. It's only a, you know one or two a game, but again, you're talking about good to great. That's That's one area where I could see it going down, and if he cleans some of that up, I think you would see that stat improve for him, and I think he would start to be thought of as like, I don't know, whatever you think of as the best two-guard passers in the league, you know, maybe Book starts to be talked about in that 
class more so than kind of, yeah, pretty good for what he is, you know, which is, I think, what people think now. Yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. I think in terms of some of his passing, like he does make the right play and sometimes it can be predictable, but even though it's predictable, he'll, he'll still make the right play and it results in a bucket. But I think sometimes when he gets in trouble is when uh, he's looking too hard to get a shot and then it's almost like a bailout pass, which mm-hmm. that's going to happen. Anytime you're, a, you know, a high volume shot creator, like you're going to run into those tough situations. And it's, it's easy to sit here and say like, oh, you need to make the, the right pass in those high pressure moments. But I think that's where the, that number can improve a lot for him. Um, and I think especially just being a little more crafty with his passes, like maybe doing some ball fakes, like even if it throws his teammates off a little bit, just kind of switching it up a little bit to keep the defense on their toes. So he's not as predictable. Like that's really the only hole in his game where he doesn't do a lot of flashy passing, um, which sometimes that can backfire uh, for sure. But I think it, it can also create, um, like I said, just that unpredictability where the defense doesn't know where he's going next. And um, so incorporating some, some new stuff with, with his, how, how he passes and uh, his reads predetermining like where players are going to be, stuff like that, just, little stuff that I think he definitely has in him. Like he has that court vision, but when it's late, late in the shot clock, we know Booker's trying to get a shot like more often than not. So trying to have those contingency plans in place when he's making those, you know, two or three series moves and he gets mm-hmm. doubled last second, stuff like that. Yeah. I, and I'm, I'll just say like, I'm excited to watch it. Right. Like I think you and I both yeah. are coming from a place of like, it's been a while since he's gotten to kind of play around and, take on new challenges and try to improve that way. I think he, I think we can all agree. He pretty much maxed out and mastered what his role was in the Chris Paul centered version of this thing. And we saw a taste in the postseason of what it can look like. And I think a whole regular season to read what defenses are doing and, and kind of, you know, it's like when the superhero gets his, his powers for the first time in a, in a superhero movie and they like run around the city, just like blowing stuff up. Like that's kind of what we're going to be seeing. So I'm, I'm excited. Let's talk about defense next and talk about matchups, role, what can we expect from what he did last postseason to roll into the regular season and more. First, today's show brought to you by Ibotta. It's officially summer, and as we wrap up the summer, lots of sales. We just had Labor Day, but your closet shouldn't be the only thing growing when you make those purchases. Now you can also watch your cash back grow with each purchase by using Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after shopping to get that cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 back per year. That could cover the cost of an entire additional shopping trip. Or you could use it to buy that flight you've been eyeing, the game you're dying to go to, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much, but with Ibotta you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can also earn cash back to hundreds of online brands and retailers, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying. Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store, download the free Ibotta app, and use the code LOCKED when you do. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store, and use code LOCKED when you register. All right, we're keeping it rolling. I think defensively, there's a little less layers to what he's going to be asked to do here, Devin Booker, as we ask what he has to do to get to be a top five player in the league this year, Brandon. But I'll start with matchups. I again dug into some numbers here. Russ shot 3% Russell Westbrook. Shot 3% worse when guarded by Booker in the first round. 
than his overall stats in that series. And five of his 20 turnovers came when guarded by Book, which I believe is the most of any single player, but I didn't check everybody. Jamal Murray shot worse than 35% from the field when guarded by Booker in the second round. These stats aren't perfect because they just measure it by whoever was closest when the player took a shot. That's not always who was actually guarding that player. It can sometimes just be a broken play, and then it's like Booker's three feet away in the wrong direction when Russell Westbrook shoots, and then he gets counted. But it's the best we can do. And then I think maybe most importantly from the playoffs, he increases blocks and steals, which we all know, but he did it without fouling more than normal. Like his fouls were basically steady despite being more aggressive, despite taking on tougher matchups. So I don't know what that tells me because I think in the past I would have thought Booker was better guarding bigger guys. And then that's two guards that he had a lot of success against. So what do you... What 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 did last year's playoffs teach you? Did it change your mind? Did it make you think let's put him in this position versus another position? If you're Frank Vogel, like, what's your main takeaway coming off of that run for him a few months later? So I wouldn't say it changed my mind, but it definitely kind of reinforced some of what I thought he had. But like like when it comes to defensive potential, in terms of the just the on ball stuff, some of the off ball stuff we saw too. Like it was that Clipper series really was kind of his coming out party defensively. Like it seemed like he was everywhere, like on, on both ends. Like I, I think just the conditioning he was in like that, that was really where I think some of the narrative nationally started to shift a little bit too, with, even though it's, it's still way too late for this. Like it, that just shows you how tough it is for some of these guys to change uh, that narrative of not even like that. He's a great defender or anything, just going from being labeled that bad defender to li- like liability and, now, 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 like people say he's average, maybe slightly above average, but I think just the number of people, if you were to ask, like, who's a better defender between Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker, I think everybody exactly. in an instant would say Donovan Mitchell. And it's like, watch the games, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. Those early career narratives. And like, there's, it's not just Booker on defense. There's so many other players that have had trouble shedding uh, whatever they're kind of like anointed early in their careers. So um, but yeah, just, just watch the games, as you said. And, and I think Booker has another level that you can tap into on, on defense, especially as I think, uh, Beal and Durant will as well, just with the, the lighter workload offensively. And that's, that's what I'm really excited to see. I think Beal, uh, not to get too off topic, but I think he's also going to surprise some people defensively in, in this system and just the competitive nature that these guys have. Like, I think that's, that's kind of what, um, even early in his career, like that is why I had confidence in Booker's defense coming around is I think. You put him in the right system. Um, he's a competitor. He's not going to want to get beat one-on-one. Like, he takes it personal. So, I think that attitude uh, is, is why uh, he can he can guard those guards. But I think the the type of guard he'll, he'll struggle with is just those – and this is like anyone in the NBA, really, defensively, is those John Morants or the explosive mm-hmm. guards that can get to the rim and, and that are shifty. Like, that, that's where I think he'll struggle a little bit. But, like, anyone he can keep up with, like, when it comes to just step-for-step, step, like, stay in front of, like, I think he can do an excellent job on Agreed on all counts. I would say the to kind of segue into the other part of this that I wanted to talk about, which is his kind of role, but also like where he is in the pecking order of, of a lineup defensively. I would say the success he had against some guards, and he also was pretty good against Eric Gordon. Uh, I didn't put the stats in there, but you know, um, did did well there. And I think when he was guarding Gordon was when Gordon started to have less of an impact on the series, frankly. So. Good stuff, obviously, on that one. But I would say that whole kind of 
evolution we saw because you you know you talk about when he broke out defensively or when people maybe should have paid attention to me I feel like the turning point I mean being able to be on a good defensive team as soon as you know really Monty got here I think was should have helped but especially when I was you know we're, we're all watching and analyzing the finals and I was like he's the best option on Middleton you know, that, that series. And at that point I was like, okay, if I'm actually there with it and I truly believe that in a late, late round of a final series, he's the best player to be guarding the best scorer on the opposing team. Like I probably should reevaluate what I think of him. And I did. And, and, you know, since then I've pretty much been high on him, but that was Middleton, right? Not Russ or Murray. So I guess all that to say, I think I'm, kind of excited looking forward because I think they'll switch a lot this year, probably even more than they did under Monty, just based on personnel more than anything. And I think he'll be able to handle any type of matchup. And that's a really big luxury to have. And, you know, he was the probably like the third best wing defensive option in previous years, whether that was Bridges and Crowder or Bridges and Cam Johnson, Bridges and Akogi at times. Uh, and he might be the best in a lot of lineups this year, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but he probably won't be starting on opposing teams' best players. It's just when he has to guard them, no matter who it is, I feel pretty comfortable. And that matters. I mean, if your scheme is going to be to switch and your best player can be maximized by doing that, then, again, you're kind of on your way to top five player type of stuff. Like, that's kind of the baseline. They don't have to be game changers if they're so good offensively. So I think Booker will be you know, one of the better defenders that we talk about in that top five, top 10 status in the league. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's why, and I'm guilty of this too, just because, uh, you know, we dissect the Suns so, so much that you start to think about things a little bit. And like, when it comes to the on-ball point of attack defense, it's like, you know, that's kind of like the big red flag, but it might not matter, honestly. Like it will matter, but not as much as we think, just because of what Vogel does with how switch heavy they are, with how, um, they stay home and how they're going to cover their assignments. Like it obviously point of attack defense and fighting over screens would be nice to have that in addition to the, what they have already. But I think their, their size, their length, um, and their ability to, to be able to handle those one-on-one matchups, um, you know, one through five and in, in a lot of switching scenarios, like I think that's really going to uh, launch them into that top 15, hopefully top 10 defense um, in the regular season and, potentially higher if, if we really get a, a great season out of eight and then and Durant stays healthy and, and all these other factors. But, but yeah, I think, I think you're out on the money there. Like there's Booker in this system too, I think could take another step forward and, and Vogel could, could bring out the best in him. Like we talk about the rim protectors all the time, but like, I think it's, it's going to be across the board that mm-hmm. his, his system kind of benefits a lot of these guys. All right. I will say to close things out, I would, you know, this has been a lot of positivity. I would say that the biggest things to me, that I would want him to maybe step, take a step forward in that we haven't quite seen, especially when we're thinking about what this scheme will look like. Off-ball switching, I don't know how much they'll do that, but if they do a lot of it, uh, and every team does it to some uh, amount, and what his help assignments are off of that switching, those things are kind of higher-level team defense stuff that we know he do he does lose focus on at times. He can be beat. He can lose track of the shooter he's supposed to be, you know, uh, keeping track of and, and everything else. Um, if he can do that also, then, like, you're talking about a legitimately valuable wing defender in the league. You know, that's kind of everything you could ask of from him. But the off-ball stuff, I think, and most stars are like this, 
you know, most perimeter stars are like this. They just mm-hmm. make mistakes, you know, but uh, if he can limit those, I think that would go a long way. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's easy to get caught ball watching sometimes in those corners, like um, especially with how explosive NBA athletes are. Like it's, it's, and you have that, that workload that Booker has, like it's, it's going to happen, but just limiting those, like you said, and, and trying to, I think anytime the ball's on his side of the court, like everyone, everyone in that vicinity, like I feel confident Booker is going to know what to do, but anytime it's at those weak side rotations, sometimes you could see him falling asleep. So I think yeah. that's another area. Just, that's just really more of staying locked in. I think we didn't see that a ton in the playoffs, but in the regular season, like we even saw some from Durant in the, in the playoffs mm-hmm. where he fell asleep on those and it's just going to happen from time to time. But, uh, pretty much trying to limit those as much as you can. Cause that's, that's really what the, the goal is. So. All right, let's go to off the court to close it out and talk about leadership, health, little MVP odds talk after one more quick break. All right. We're closing out the show. Number one in our 13 questions that will define the Phoenix sun season preview series. The question being, what is the pathway to Devin Booker being a top five player for the Suns this season as they try to win a championship, which history tells us you need one of those to win? Um, we'll go off the court and feel free to jump in or disagree. I feel like I've been dominating. Uh, I did maybe too much research on this one, Brandon, so uh, you can uh, can take us wherever you would like. But I'll just start with leadership. And I, uh, I just think to me, it might be an exaggeration to say it was the coolest thing, but one of the really cool things about last year's postseason run for Booker was how you saw the confidence of being, I mean, historically great on the court really translate to being a vocal leader as well in, in game, which is just something we didn't see from him a ton. You would always hear it like, you know, different guys would say, oh yeah, you know, Booker, he speaks up when he needs to, he leads by example. We kind of all have that level of respect because we know he's our best player. We know he's one of our best players, but you didn't always see it if you were just watching games. And I think over the course of last season, you started to, um, you combine that with how deferential I think like Beal and Durant have already been. DA has always kind of been that way. The young players on this team, like, of course they're going to do that. Like you're kind of just on your way to that ingredient being there too. Like this guy is the center of this whole thing right now. You know, it's like him and Matt Ishbia that that's what this all revolves around. And, it feels like he's ready to take that on like with everything it means more so than just like kind of going to work every day and being great. It's like, you don't have to, but it helps if you are a vocal leader. And I feel like he's going to take that step this year. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I, I think we, we saw some flashes of it last year, more on a more consistent basis, like you mentioned. And I think uh, to, to be that a top dog, like on a team with, with Durant and Beal, like obviously Durant's not really that kind of leader. He's more of, uh, he just likes to hoop just have fun. Like he'll, he'll obviously encourage his teammates and uh, he'll have leadership moments, but he's not a leader in, in that sense that I think uh, Booker has a, the mentality, the mindset of, of being that guy. Um, and, you know, Beal, I think Beal also is like one of those quiet leaders where he he'll do stuff as well that I think will help some of these younger guys. Um, but he, he's not going to take over or dominate that. But I think, yeah, like you said, it's the path is right there for him to really, for this to be his year and, and make that leap. Um, on the leadership scale. And, and I think this is around the time where a lot of in these guys career, like he's 26 entering, he's turning 27 here in October. So I think um, he's entering that, that era of his career where he's, he's going to be the guy and he's the reason all these guys came here. So um, I think we're going to see that more consistently. And, and that's definitely another step that I think will 
will not only help like him and the team on the court, but just the, the overall perception of, of who he is as a player. All right. We have to bring up health if we're talking about off court and, and Booker being dominant this year. I, people don't like when I do this. I see the comments, folks, but, you know, I don't I don't wish it. But, you know, it's my job to analyze what's going on. And the reality is that Booker tends to have at least one kind of soft tissue thing in his lower body every year. But I don't know if I'm making the case, Brandon, that it won't be as bad this year. This is the most restful offseason he's had since pre-COVID, since Monty's first summer here. You know, the second round exit, he ended the year healthy, which he hasn't done. Um, Well, he didn't do it after the Dallas series and obviously the 2021 with the finals and then the Olympics, he basically didn't have an offseason. And then this past year was also the first normal, regular, scheduled NBA season in years, right? So even going through that, coming out of it healthy, a longer offseason because, unfortunately, they lost early. Um, To me, that all kind of would add up to as good a chance as any to have a healthy year. We know this dude does everything he needs to to be committed to his health. Like, read any interview with him about his process with that stuff. I have no doubts. Um, Hopefully, he doesn't try to come back early again. Like, that that would be nice, right? Because that obviously put him back uh, last year. It's just kind of hard to guess, but I... I do think the offseason being pretty smooth for him should help. I mean, it's better than the alternative, at least. Yeah, it certainly doesn't uh, hurt to have more rest. Um, obviously, there's there's stuff that can happen that's just kind of outside of your control as, as a player. But the preparation, I think, is never really an issue with him. Like, one thing I would say is, like, hopefully he added, like, some more yoga into his regimen or something this offseason. Like, both him some and DA, like, just for maybe. flexibility. Yeah. Yeah, just something to help with, like, uh, just the, those tissue injuries. But you honestly, though, like, a lot of that stuff is just wear and tear and um, maintenance and stuff like that. So I think it's it's just impossible to predict. But when you have the track record of these things flaring up, like like you said, like, people can get mad all they want. But it's just the reality of assessing a player that that is um, – and his health is so vital to this team's success as well. And, and not only that, but his potential run at an MVP, if, if he's going to take that leap and, and be a top-five player in the league. So that's – I think it's an important discussion. Obviously, it's uh, there's same with Durant and Beal. Like, there's three guys that you, you don't know how many games you're going to get out of them. Um, yeah. I don't think Booker is as that's um, not as much of like defining who he is as far as like the health issues yet. But there there are some concerns there that seem to pop up every year. Yeah, uh, plus seventeen hundred at Fanduel for MVP. To me, I think like he has as good of a case as anyone outside of Jokic, Luka, and Giannis. I would put probably those three at the top in terms of how good I think their team is going to be and how integral and fundamental they're going to be to their team being the best that they can be. But uh, to go back to the the health side of this, I think the, I yeah I don't want to be naive, but I was really trying to think like there's just been this assumption. It's like, well, Booker already has this stuff and now he's going to be doing even more. So he's going to be even more likely to get hurt. And I was like, is that even really true? I don't know. Like I, I, I don't see his role this year as we just talked through pretty much every angle of it being much harder on him physically than what he's done in the past. Like his, his usage rate actually went, I, I know usage isn't everything cause he was passing more, but his usage went, 
down a little bit from the regular season to the playoffs last year, even with how great he was. And his assist percentage went a little bit up. So it pretty much evened out, but he wasn't really doing that much more, all things considered. And defensively, yeah, you know, switching and fighting guys and doing whatever, that's that's going to come with some physical toll. But I don't know. It's just you just are healthier you aren't. Like I, I kind of just – you know, come down to it that way. I think he's doing everything he needs to be. And I think that, you know, lessons learned from previous seasons should help. But I have know. a little bit more of a, a stronger take on that. Like, okay. I think this will be the easiest season of his career, hands down. It's not even going to be close. Like, just you look at having Durant and Beal, like, the, the main thing with him his entire career is like leading up to like before that KD trade is like he's always been their only shot creator. Like, you, you mm-hmm. go back. I mean, Chris Paul, obviously. Um, you'd have his moments and, and I don't want to discredit him at all, but I think now having even Gordon off the bench, like the Suns can survive with him on the bench longer than they've been, been able to in the yeah, past. So I, I feel like just from a minutes and workload standpoint, like there's going to be some games where he might stay on the bench longer than he'd probably like. Um, but if the team will have a comfortable lead or, you know, Beal will be hot or Durant will be hot and they just don't, there's not as much of a desperation to play him, you know, 42, 43 minutes, which we've seen so often, throughout his early career. So I think there's, yeah, he could also stop doing that in the regular season. That's him. He pushes for it. Like that would be one thing I would say, like cool off on that, please. You know? Yeah, that is very true. So, but it's just that competitive edge he has. So it's, uh, I don't think that's ever going to change. But you know, I think uh, obviously if they're winning by 20 or something and more frequently this season, hopefully then uh, there's going to be games where he'll get more rest. So I think just having Beal and Durant, changes the entire dynamic of the minutes workload, hopefully. <laughs> so that's that's my case. I think it's going to no, be I like it. a lot wider. Yeah. I like it. I mean, he played uh, the first year when Chris was at his peak when uh, he first got here, 33.9 minutes per game last year and the year before, 34 and a half both. So, you know, that's, let's say, a minute per game, 82. Like, maybe he can get it even closer, you know, to, let's say, 100 minutes shaved off like that that's not nothing you know so that would be a, another a, another angle for it and yeah what he's doing when he's out there if he's not you know there's a lot it's a lot different when you run a quick pick and roll and and launch it over to you know Bradley Beal who attacks a closeout and gets a layup than it is to like pound the ball into infinity and you know uh you know launch a contested mid-range jumper like that that was what he was doing a lot so I, I hear you I think that's actually a great point too but Uh, That will wrap us up. That is the pathway for Devin Booker to be a top five player. And I think if he does everything we talked about, you know, he's going to get a lot of MVP votes and uh, the Suns will be in a pretty good spot. But, you know, none of that is a given. We'll see how it fares. That was question number one. Question number two will be tomorrow. We're back daily. I think I might talk Beal tomorrow. I'll probably be solo. But keep an eye out. We're doing we're doing one a day for the next 13 shows and going to have some guests, going to have some big pictures, some nitty gritty stuff, some analytics, some eye tests, whatever you want. It'll be here. Hit follow, hit subscribe, become an everydayer. Check out Brandon's writing and the team over at Bright Side of the Sun and I'll catch you guys tomorrow.